0: Stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com.
1: Welcome to Loving That Sports Talk with your host, James Loving. If you're looking for a fast-paced show that covers football and so much more, this is the place to be. Now, here's your host, formerly of the Philadelphia Eagles, James
2: Loving. This is James Loving. I'm hosting Loving That Sports Talk out here in Arizona, up here in the studio. It's a good day out here today. And I got a good guest on the line, Chris McMillan. Are you there, Chris?
3: Yeah, I'm here, James.
2: How you doing, man? All right, I'm doing good. You know, I guess you're doing better weather out there. You're out there in Hawaii, aren't you? Yeah, I
3: can't be Hawaii, man. I just uh, got to bed about an hour ago, and I'm staring at the beach right now. It's a, it's a good day for me.
2: Oh, go ahead and rub it in for the people out here. <laughs> <laughs> well, we go ahead and get started. You know, um, Chris, you know, you went to your University of Wyoming. You know, I'd like for you to give a little background on yourself for uh, all the listeners out there.
3: Uh, well, I grew up in... Uh, California, my dad's company, I moved us to California when I was about seven or eight years old and, you know, started playing basketball and what eventually was just kind of a hobby for fun, became something I got pretty good at, um, accepted a scholarship to the University of Wyoming. Uh, I signed with a guy named Larry Shiat, and Larry Shiat actually, before I could actually walk on campus, um bolted to go to Clemson, and I played my uh, collegiate career for, uh, for Steve McLean. Had the ability to win, uh, the chance to win two uh, conference championships, played in the NCAA tournament, and uh, I many think the, uh, that team, those teams resurrected um, the Wyoming Cowboy uh, <laughs> basketball program. So it, it was a fun time for me for sure.
2: Well, that's good, Chris. And then you came out, you're out there in Hawaii. Now tell everybody what you're doing out there in Hawaii.
3: I just moved to Hawaii recently after I graduated college. I actually spent six years out in Scottsville, Arizona. So uh, I had the ability to endure that uh, those crazy heat summers. But uh, about two years ago, I decided that I wanted to get back into, uh, into college coaching. I took my first position at Centenary College in Shreveport, Louisiana. And then just last May, I took a position out here. Um, as a graduate assistant with the University of Hawaii men's basketball team. So I'm out here working on my master's, and then once I'm done with that next year, um, looking to get on staff full-time, if not here, um, somewhere else so I can uh, pursue my career of being a, a head basketball coach sometime.
2: And and definitely so, you know, and I'm glad you're on here because you're a coach and all like that, and um, like I like to do, I like to stir all my listeners, you know, I like to deal with the the younger people, like how we grew up, you know, everybody was there to help us. And what would your advice be for young kids coming up in the world of sports, Chris?
3: Uh, You know, I can remember my dad, he used to tell me all the time, you know, son, this is going to go by, this experience very, very quickly. You know, enjoy it and embrace it and, and, and don't ever have any regrets and you know, sadly, you know, I have regrets. There's things that I didn't do I mean, when I was playing as far as maybe working hard enough here or there to uh, to get to where I really wanted to be. So I, I would just tell every kid that wants to, you know, aspires to be on the varsity team or, or, you know, go to college, when you step on that court every single day, you work as hard as you can, you know, because once, once basketball stops or you, you can't play football or your career is over, you know, that's it. And there's the real world and there's going to be a lot of time to go out there and have fun and party and doing things you think you might want to do in college, but they're ultimate distractions to you. So I would just say work as hard as you can. It sounds very, very cliché, but it's just so true. And Leave it all out there on the floor, and, 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 and every chance you you know get to get better, make sure you go out there and get better, because when it's all said and done, you don't want to look back on what you did in your career and have any regrets.
2: Uh, Chris, you know, how was your work habit? Were you like, you know, distracted with peer pressure, doing different things that you weren't supposed to do, or were you, you, still your mindset to just work and do what you had to do?
3: No, I was pretty focused, you know, and I, you know, candidly enough, you know, I, I didn't even drink my first sip of alcohol until I was in college. You know, um, it just wasn't what I was into. My parents did a fantastic job, I think, bringing me up and putting me in the right situations and. You know surrounding me with the right people, um I do believe that a lot of times kids when at a very young age are very very impressionable, and you know you can become a product of your environment and if you're constantly around bad influential things, then you know bad things can ultimately happen you know what i mean it starts it starts to set the tone at a young age for what you're going to grow up doing um as you get older so I think for me again, it was just having the right people around me and 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 it being you know woven into my cloth, if you will, to do the right things. I would say for kids that are out there, they need to look at the big picture. You know, if you got mm-hmm. some friends that are, you know, they call themselves your friends, but they're not doing the right things. You know, it's hard when you're a kid to to recognize that, but you got to see what you want for your life in and, and the big picture and know that that instant gratification isn't really worth
2: it. Now, now um, and bring the said that, Chris, you know, uh, isn't that what we, you know, like, you know, when I was going to college, it was like, okay, you ain't got your parents until you to get up for school. You, you're on your own to do things and have fun. But isn't that what college is, though? I mean, to it, go ahead. It, I'm sorry. it really
3: is. No, no, it, it really is. And I didn't mean, to cut you off. I apologize. That's okay. Um, it, it really is. I mean, I think the biggest thing, see, it, it's it's a lot different going to college as an athlete and going to college as, as just a student. It, it, it's two different things. You know, when you're an athlete, yes, you know, mom and dad aren't there, but you've got a coaching staff and a support system there. You know what I mean? You, you receive things, you know, tutors, um, extra help, you know, to make sure that you're doing the right things. And if you, you know, you have a hard time getting up in class, you can believe there's gonna be an assistant coach there knocking on your door and making sure you get up for class. As opposed to where you're just a student, you know, mom and dad really aren't breathing down, down your neck. Right. You know what I mean? You really don't have, you know, a support system where teachers breathing down your neck, begging you to go to class, making sure you stay on point. So uh, in my eyes, athletes have it a little bit easier. You know, the the path is kind of set for them to be successful. All they've got to do is walk down that path.
2: And, and, and you're right, you know, you've that path. But isn't that when, like most kids, you know, we get back to it, we go from that to being free in school. But once some of the kids live in the dream of, through their parents, you know, when, I mean parents living the dream through the kids, Chris,
3: you mean as far as athletics Right, terms?
2: excellent. You're yeah, right,
3: right. <laughs> you know, you see it a lot. You know, I remember coming up and, you know, there were definitely some overbearing parents in the stands. And, you know, a lot of parents didn't have the, you know, the, the chances that even I had and even more so now as we get into this next generation. I think the parent, I think what you see is when parents are living their dreams, it's just them being proud of their son or daughter. And they, they too, have a competitive edge to them, and they're winners. But for whatever reason, they didn't have the chance maybe to be athletes or, or to, the parents didn't have the funds to put them into sports when they were coming up. So all their energy and all their focus goes into their son or daughter making sure that they have everything they need to win and be successful in the long run. So they're, 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 they're living vicariously through them, but they mean with the best intentions, I feel
2: like. I mean, you yeah, had the best intention, but you know, we we as a um, parent, and then as a, a child, you know, it's like you got the kid got to want to play, right? To really want it, right? Because yeah, if you if you got to push on it because your parent wants to play, the kid's not going to love the game, right?
3: No, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, there, there has to be a balance. You know, what I mean, there has to definitely be a balance, and you you can't push your kid so much that you actually drive him away from what he could possibly love. You know, and as a parent, you know, it's up to you to kind of realize when I got to pull back, when I got to push a little bit harder, when you got to put your foot down. And it's hard to do that. You know, how do you really know, okay, is my kid, is he just upset or is he getting burned out? Am I, am I pushing him too hard or am I not pushing him enough? And you got to kind of have that intuition, that parent intuition, and know right from wrong and when you got to back off, when you got to push forward. Um, my dad didn't, he, he didn't have a... A back off button. So, um, for me, I just loved it so much, and I just wanted so much for my life. And you know, it just for me, it was just all systems go. For other kids, they I not like that.
2: Well, and, and that some kids can take that, you know, you know, right. where they can they can accept that pressure and the push. You know, but some kids, you don't. You push them in something that they really don't want to do, and then like they really hate the game, right?
3: Right. They, they they start to hate, and they they just they lose the love for the game. You know, what I mean, and a lot. A lot of coaches will talk. You know, with, with, with pressure, a lot of times good things come from pressure. You know, either you're going to become something special, or you're going to break. And it just depends on what kind of mental fortitude uh, a kid has in order to to get through that point. And how good do they really want to be?
2: Well, and and I th- and I think you know, because when I, I play sport, I think sports really changed my life to where things was great you know sports can be a good thing for some people then again some kids can it could be bad right is there yep i mean go ahead i'm sorry chris
3: no i, I say so. is your question is there what
2: was your question the question is sports can be good for people like um, kids for like discipline and learning a thing of respect for you know coaches and you know like for your parents you know but and then sports can be bad for some kids where they get in that world where you know they're doing bad things you know
3: yeah, it can be. Um it's kind of a double edged sword. I, you, you really don't hear too many times where um a kid growing up turns the bad things from sports. It doesn't really happen like that. I don't think so. But what you do find is a kid that's really, really good at his sport who kinda has that, that bad side to him that once he actually does make it and he makes a you know, that million dollar check or he signs on, on that dotted line that's when his career kind of spirals out of control. And again, I think that goes back to the foundation. You know, you, you look at the Michael Vicks and you look at the guys that, you know, are getting these DUIs and, 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 gun charges. I mean, that goes back to a foundation, you know what I mean? Of how they were raised. They were fortunate enough to, they stayed online. And once they got, you know, the money, you know, things got out of control. You know what I mean? But I don't, I don't see it when kids are coming up and, Junior high and high school where sports kinda of get them in trouble. Where I see that as they get to that divisional level, that collegiate level mm-hmm. and the ego gets involved and money gets involved. That's where I see um sports being a cancer to uh to some individuals.
2: Well you know what? And and, and that's the, you made a good point with that. And I wanna bring up this and I'm not jumping around but should college players be paid, Chris? I mean, should they? <laughs> I know you're laughing, but you said they get in trouble with the money. But should they get paid? I know everybody say, "Well, you get paid your education. They paying you by your education, and you get to eat and all like that." <laughs> but I know you're laughing. I'm not done. But I know, and and I, I I disagree with that because you know the big schools, like the big names, are always on TV. Florida, Nebraska. Everybody say they will get more money. But they get more better stuff because their facility are already better than the smaller schools, you know. Right. But do you agree with that, Chris?
3: Yep. Yeah, that that a college athlete should be paid. Yes. <laughs> in, <laughs> in college, I would have raised both my hands and all my feet and colors <laughs> and everything. But <laughs> you know, I I don't know. You know, I I, I was watching the Fab Five story uh, with you know Jalen Rose and Chris Webber the other day on uh, on the ESPN, and you know they bring up some good points. You know, what I mean, you know, here, here's Chris Weber walking down the street, seeing a number four Michigan jersey in the window, being sold for seventy five bucks. Yeah. Now, everybody knows that number four from Michigan is Chris Weber.
2: Right.
3: You know, is he entitled to that to that piece? Who? I don't know. You know, what I mean, it, it's so tough, tough to, to to really say, but I do know the NCAA is a multi billion dollar industry. I know they're making money hand over fist, and I know the reason why they're making money is because of those guys out there on the floor. You know, I, I asked a friend the question the other day, you know, if, if you work for a company and, you know, that company started making, you know, $2 million in addition a month, and you were the reason because of that, would you want to keep the salary you're getting or would you want more money?
2: You want more money.
3: I mean, so that's where the athletes are coming from. But again I see the business side. There's amateurism um, rules, there's NTA rules, professional rules. It just can't be done and I don't think it will ever be done. And,
2: and, be done. and
3: maybe but you know, it's kinda of one of those gray areas.
2: You're right, because you always gotta know if they are doing it, somebody gonna be sneaking them a little extra money, right? And the bigger school with the bigger names and bringing them more money with going T V thing will do that. And we all know that, right? There's a way there's always a way and and you know, I'm not putting you out there but Every college athlete, I think, not every, but most of every school, somebody's doing something, right, Chris? I, I can't, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I won't put that on you, but <laughs> <I mean, you laughs> what well, you figure, even if it's a uh, uh, some money to get your clothes washed or something, that's what I'm saying. You know, just
3: it, 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 you know, I, I'm sure there's guys out there being nickel and dimes. You know, I, right. I don't know. Magnitude to how much guys are being given. You know, I looked online last night, and you know, there's a whole thing with Auburn football coming out here tonight on uh, on HBO was special about guys receiving money and improper benefits. I think we'd be lying to ourselves if we said it didn't happen. Um, I don't know what schools are doing it. I don't know how much they're giving. Is it safe to say it's going on though? I mean, I think we all are in agreement with that.
2: Well, you hold that thought. We're going to take a break, and um, we'll be right back with Chris McMillan from Hawaii. This is Jay Lovey, hosting Loving That Sports stuff.
1: All right. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Time 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel.
0: Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry.
2: Welcome to Inside the Trenches, everyone—the interactive show that is sweeping across the nation here on Voice America Sports. Simply with your host, 12-year pro football veteran, yes, of course, the voice of America, Arkel Trula. We're bringing it to you today. Starts at noon, and so does Inside the Trenches. 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, bringing you the ins and outs, letting you
1: know what's going on in and around sports, and also in and around your neck of the woods. So if you want to be on the show and you want to be a part of the show, simply go to InsideTheTrenches.com and let's make this thing happen for you, the interactive show that is sweeping across the nation, Inside The Trenches, your show. Your internet flagship station for sports... America Sports You're hooked up with Loving That Sports Talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1 888 346 9144. That's 888 346 9144. Or drop an email to Talk at yahoo.com.
2: Now, back to the show. This is James Loving. I'm back hosting Loving That Sports Talk at my guest, Chris Mike Miller Online. See that, Chris.
3: Yeah, I'm still
2: here, James. All right, now will we hold that question? When we was on break, we was talking about some good things, you know. Um, just to bring it up for the listeners out there, the Fiesta Bowl. He's um, in charge of the CEO, right, Chris? CEO uh,
1: James
3: Funk was his name, Junk or something, something like
2: that. Yeah, you know. And, and when we go back to what we talk about with athletes getting paid in college money, but you have a gentleman, Chris, that runs the Fiesta Bowl. And making six hundred thousand a year and getting everything free and taking money, what's that about?
3: Oh man, I mean, one word comes to mind. That's just greed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I, there's no explanation for it. You know, the guy's making six hundred k a year and he's got his hand caught in the cookie jar. At what point in time are people uh, are people satisfied? And obviously, he wasn't. But you know, it cost him his job. It cost his reputation and. You know, who knows where we're
2: whole wide now. I'm assuming a lawsuit's soon to follow. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, and, and like you say, you know, we look at that as, as saying the people up front making all this money. The build, I mean, the NCAA making a lot of money, Chris. Let's put it out there. they making millions of people and... You know, off the players and all the games. Look at how many bowl games they got. They got bowl games that they make it up names just to make more money, right? <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> I mean, it's it's always about the bottom line and pushing revenue. So if they can make a bowl game or they can squeeze two more teams in and make a couple hundred grand, they're going to do it. And it's just it's where the business has gone, and it's where it's going to continue to go.
2: And, and so that's why we go back to: Is it fair for the? They're making all this money off these players, like you say, Chris Weber went and seeing the jersey number four. Why the why the um, students can make money, Chris? The
3: student athletes, you mean? Yes, yeah, um, student athletes. It's just the rules, you know. It's just the way it is right now. You know, what I mean, you know, there, there might be somebody that comes along and. In 20 years, and, and has a demonstration, and, and, and sets the tone, and, and, and lays the pavement for athletes to to go ahead and get a percentage of profits that the school makes. But then you got to worry about: okay, does it go to all athletes, or does it only go to the ones in revenue-making sports? You know, what I mean, do 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 does women's soccer, or does golf, get a cut of that money? You know, what I mean, so a lot of things are involved in that, which is why I don't think it will ever happen. Should it or could it have been possible? I don't think it will though-
2: what is it then Chris is it about it? Is it about that they scared to give these um college student athletes money because they think they're getting in trouble, or is it just they just want to keep a hold of you know what is it
3: about why they won't pay them right well, I mean there's just i mean there's been rules set in place since the NCAA started I they are they're just not they're not going to bend on. You know what I mean? The way, that, I'm, I'm assuming the way they view it is this and how people view it. The athlete's getting his education paid for. Mm-hmm. You know, on average, a, a a four-year degree is going to cost you anywhere from $50,000 on the low end, depending on where you go to school, if you go to an Ivy League, a couple hundred grand. That's their payment. They get money for living, they, they get room and board, they get a meal plan. They are in fact being paid. Um, do I mean they're not doing it for free. Their parents aren't coming out of pocket. When they graduate school, those parents don't have loans to pay off, you know. So, and on the flip side, a lot of the kids that go, in addition to their scholarship, qualify for federal Pell Grant. So they get, depending on, you know, parents' household income, they're going to get another two or three grand of fifteen hundred bucks, a thousand bucks per semester. In addition to, I mean, you don't really need that much money as, as a college kid. You just don't. Um, so, again, it's tough. Should they or could they? It's possible. I just don't think it's going to happen. Uh,
2: yeah, and you know, you know how it was in college. You know, you needed money. You know, you want to go out and eat what wasn't given to you eat, and you need to wash your clothes. Where does that money come from? We well, got to do laundry. Your parents? <laughs> well, listen, what if your parents don't have the money? You know, what if, you know?
3: Well, I mean, well, here's the deal. Uh, most of the times. You know, when, and this is just going back to college, one, I had a washer and dryer when I was in college, but honestly, two, when you were an athlete, you know, you had friends that had houses, and if you didn't have a washer and dryer, they had a washer and dryer. Or you're dating a girl who had a washer and dryer. I mean, there was ways around that. You didn't have to actually buy, you know, or or pay to to, to get your clothes washed. I I can't think of one time in college where I put quarters in a machine and, and got my laundry done. Um, if it was T-shirts and basketball shorts, the managers do laundry every night. So if you had, you know, five T-shirts maybe you washed some shorts, you just throw it in the same bag that you put your uniform in. No big deal. So, again, there, there's ways around that. You know, I mean, if you, if you, if you can't figure that out, then, 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 then something's wrong. But there's definitely ways around, you know, getting little things done, um, like getting your clothes washed or something like that.
2: You know, I know all... Uh... College athlete, right now, listen and say, "Oh, that Chris boy, he don't want to give us no money."
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean, but, but please,
3: out there no, I mean, I'm on your side. You know, what I mean, and I, I, there's definitely a strong argument, um, but again, it's, it's just a business, and the, the way you're being paid is you have the ability and the luxury of going to a four-year institution. Uh, you, you're probably accepted depending on grades, because again, some of the people that get accepted in a school, if it was just going for education and academics, probably wouldn't get accepted if not for the ability to play basketball. Right. Um now they, they have, that they, they know, they qualify from an NCA standpoint, eligibility standpoint, but some students get in with the 2.2 and just enough on the SAT. If you bring that to the table with just uh, just uh academics and no athletic, athletics involved, you don't get into that school. So, again, you're going to a four-year institution. Everything's paid for, room and board, scholarship check every month, you know, to pay for your rent. When you're on road trips, you get per diem to eat. So there's ways around it, believe me. You know what I mean? The, the, the guys are being taken care of. And you know they, they get meal cards to go to the cafeteria. I mean, the, the, there's definitely ways around, and these guys aren't starving, hungry. They're not, and they're being taken care of.
2: Well, it's. I mean, is this is this fair to say? The way one way around is like they give you foster parents. Remember, you heard of those, Chris?
3: You know, I I, I know what you're talking about. Uh-huh. That was more so for the
2: overseas
3: players when I was coming up. Okay, and they were called. It was a host family.
2: Right, host family. Yeah, you're right. Yeah.
3: And those host families more times than not, were actually assigned to those kids before they even got to college. So it was when they were brought over from their countries when they were playing high school ball or prep ball, they were given host families, and the host families obviously you know helped them as they went through college. Um, so now, more times than not, those host families are pretty uh affluent, if you will, and then they do pretty well for themselves. so it works out, but it's perfectly legal through the NCAA.
2: Yeah, but when I was there at Wyoming, they gave it to us, all of the kids that came that was out of state, you know, had these host family because, you know, like, um, you you weren't able to go home for, like, the holidays if you had enough money, your parents would fly you back and like that. So that's what we, you know, it was good to go over there and have a meal, you know, when you want to eat, but we would never give them any money, but it was just nice to go there and have a meal and sit down with somebody, you know?
3: Yeah, yeah, I mean, we, we definitely had that. We had, I, w- I wouldn't really call them host families. There were just families that were close to the program that, you know, all the players kind of got close with, you know. And, you know, Laramie to Cheyenne is a 45-minute drive. So we drive up there and, and we see them. But it, it wasn't about a money thing, you know what I mean? It was just more so doing the right thing of a family that's been part of the program for 20, 30 years, and their kids' kids were fans. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was just more so. Doing the right thing, because honestly, on holidays, if I wasn't back home with my family, mm-hmm. we were always at Coach McClain's house. Right. I mean, he he always did a pretty good job of making sure food was there and and that whole deal there.
2: Well, uh, you know that and that that bottles this up with me. I want to bring this up, you know. When that, I'm sorry. Oh, th- that brings this question up. I want to ask you again. You know that. With with all this, like you say, going on with whole family and all like that, with with the kids, you know, saying they can find somebody to wash their clothes and all like that. But isn't it the um, the game is to try and go pro, and make money, and, and you're right, and try and live that life of that. But how many kids do you see in sports that say, okay, the percentage of I'm, I'm going to be all academic? It's not. You know what I'm saying, Chris. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know one kid that's ever said, you know, what my goal is to be on the all-academic team. Right. Um, it, it just doesn't happen, you know. I, I've got to guess—I I forget what the numbers were—but when I was in high school, from from the number of high school athletes that actually played, from the from the number that went to play Division One, was something like maybe four or five percent, maybe even less. Right. And of that number that played Division One, one percent went on and played in the NBA or, or, or professional basketball. It's just not very common, you know. More kids need to be more uh, education conscious. But again, when you're 18 years old, you don't understand that, you know. All you see is, you know, the TV and the glitz and the glamour and the dunk contest and you know the jewelry and the cars that come along with that lifestyle. And that's all you want. And, and at that age, you still think you're good enough to get that. So education doesn't become, you know, on the forefront of your brain unless, again, it was just ingrained to you at a young age, like no matter what you do, education is going to come first, first and foremost. And that's where you get when you talk about your guys at, at Duke and, the, you know, the, 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 the All-Americans that stay four years. And they have above 3.0s. So that's where you get those guys because no matter what happens, when that ball stops bouncing, they're mm-hmm. gonna have something to fall back on. And there's guys I played with where I, I worry. You know what? When, when, when it's time to stop playing, like, what is this guy gonna do? You know what I mean? And you don't want to ever be in that situation.
2: Well, yeah, and and when the, when a coach comes and recruits you, they come to your health, They talk to your parents. They they push that. Oh, we we worry about education, but. How often is that, that once you get to that school, it's not about that, you know? I mean, I know when we went to uh, Wyoming, you know, it was like, hey, get on this football field, work out, let's get better, you know what I'm saying?
3: Well, you know what? Uh, I think there was maybe a time where it may have been like that. I can say you now here in Hawaii, it's not like that because the rules are different. Um, you have the APR, uh-huh. which is based upon your graduation rate and, and having a high enough GPA. So it's it, it's evolving. And uh, on top of NCAA rules, there's also school rules. So, you know, for example, a, a student may be eligible based upon the NCAA, you know, but if he's not eligible from the school, even though he's NCAA eligible, the school can still hold him out.
2: Well, that's good. I think
3: schools are doing the right things as far as making academics the number one priority and reminding these guys that you are a student first before you are an actual athlete.
2: I like that they are gathering that in there. Chris. That sounds really good. But you know what we're going to do? I'm gonna, we're going to take a break, but I'm going to ask you a question that you want to think about on the break. That When these young players c- coming out of the first year in the basketball, football, are they getting paid too much? And is that the cause of all the um, the stuff that goes on the first year they out? So well, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. This is James Loving, hosting Loving That Sports Talk, with my guest, Chris McMillan from Hawaii.
1: flagship station for sports Voice America Sports Have we got a high energy all access sports show for you It's Outside the Huddle starring Lamont Williams with co-host John Inglesby Each week, join Lemont and John as they take callers, discuss the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sit down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific for Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Hooked up with Loving That Sports Talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1 888 346 9144. That's 888 346 9144. Or drop an email to
2: Talk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. This is James Loving hosting Loving That Sports Talk. I got my guy Chris on the line. Chris, you didn't leave me yet, did you?
3: No, I'm still
2: here, man. Uh, I'm actually watching the, the the waves crash up against the uh, <laughs> sand right now. You really got to rub it in, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, before we left, I had to ask you a question. You know, I want you to think about, are these young athletes that coming out like uh, some of them coming out as juniors? You know, Are they getting paid too much? I mean, basketball is guaranteed money, a contract, if I'm saying that right, right? Yeah, it's
3: guaranteed money no matter what.
2: No, no matter what. And football is not, but... Fifty-six million just to sign isn't that too much for a uh, twenty-one-year-old, Chris?
3: Well, I mean that's more so the football side; those big signing bonuses. The, the NBA has it set up to where I think the first-round draft pick can get, you know, three years, four point eight million, and it, it scales down from there. The lower you go in the draft, um, is it too much? I think it's fair. You, you do know, again, NBA. You're talking about another multi, you know million-dollar industry, here's the deal, man. These guys spend their entire lives, you know, blood, sweat, and tears, perfecting their craft. You know, they mm-hmm. should be rewarded for it. These owners are, you know, making hundreds of millions of dollars because of these players. You know what I mean? These guys got to get paid. Mm-hmm. Now, when somebody shows the inability to take care of their money, then I, I think that's where, you know, the right people have to step in and guide an individual. But for the most part no, I think I think the guys are right there where they should be. I think it's smart not giving them too much too soon because none of those guys can sign big contracts that go in the first round until after their third year in the league and it actually proved themselves. So the NBA's done a great job I think as far as, you know, how they pay their players.
2: Well that's what I was gonna say, you know, I don't know how the NBA works with that, but you got a guy that's coming out as a college guy and then paying him more than what they pay the guy that ten years is proving itself. That's not fair with the thing because he's not even proven himself yet, and you give him more money than a 10-year vet?
3: Right. Well, I mean, understand this, too, that 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 10-year vet is going to get a pension. You know, yeah. I mean, he's been in for 10 years. For example, let's use Theo Routers as an example. Theo Rowlett's been in the league, Wyoming guy. I don't even know how 16. long he's been in the league. And I'm, I'm assuming now, because I don't really hear much about him, that he's probably a utility guy. Yeah. You know, maybe not playing very many minutes, but... In his, in his prime, great shot blocker. You know what I mean? Did a wonderful job for the, the 76ers. Yeah. Um, probably shouldn't be in the league anymore, you know, depending on his body, but being kept around off the, off the respect of what he did in his 10- or 12-year career. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. So I look at it at it from the standpoint, yeah, he's been in 10-12 years, but should he still be in the league? You know what I mean? Look at Shaq. Shaq. Shaq's making almost league minimum. You know what I mean? He's made all of his money already, so I think there comes a time where you got to give these young guys a chance. You know what I mean, both on the court and monetarily, to prove themselves and to make a name for themselves as well.
2: Yeah, but I understand what you're saying. But Theo, like you say, um, been in the league and he proved himself. But you got a guy that's like me and you. Say your job. I've been here at this job, working, busting my butt, and doing I do, getting the company up and big for five years. Then you come in and they just say, okay, this is Chris, he's great, He got to be great, to and pay you more than me, I'm going to be mad, right?
3: Right. And Well, you should be, but now, look, let me ask this question. If Theo was still performing at the level he was when he was playing great, when he was making that money, mm-hmm. it's safe to say they'd still be paying him that kind of money. Mm-hmm. So something's changed. It's not just the fact, oh, you know what, it's been 12 years, we're going to pay you less. Performance changes. Your body gets older. You can't endure the same wear and tear you normally did when you were twenty five, twenty six years old. It, it just—it is what it is. Right. Now, again, if you gave the example of, of me and you, and you built this company up in five years, and here I come along. I can promise you, if whoever's in charge of that company that that you built that built up, if you're still grinding the way you did the five years it took to build it up, and you're still performing at that same high level, I can guarantee you, I will not touch you pay grade wise not going to happen. Now, you start kind of falling off, and you start missing some things here and there that are costing the team or costing the company money. Well, then, yeah, they're going to put somebody in that spot to fill that void, but they're not going to cut you out completely. They're going to go back. They're going to be loyal to you. I can promise you that. And I think what you see with those 10 and 12-year events right now is loyalty. Yeah, we're not going to pay you 10, 15, 20 grand, but here's a million bucks a year to sit here on the bench and clap your hands.
2: Well, and, and some of that you could say that, and then some of that you're saying they're selling tickets. Am I wrong for saying that?
3: Absolutely. I mean, it's a business.
2: Yeah. It's, it's like, it's a you business.
3: know. So, I mean, well, I mean, that kind of helps my argument. I'm going to pay you a million dollars to sit here and help me sell tickets. You have to play.
2: Yeah. But I, I'm still, you know, it seems like this is what I'm getting from you. is You agree with the younger players coming in and making all that money. But then I hear you um, back in the um, show saying that, they can't handle this money?
3: Some of them can't handle the money. And what I said was, you know, a lot of times when, when guys get that money, depending on the foundation that was set for them, you uh-huh. know, when they were kids growing up and how they were raised, some of those guys get that money and don't know what to do with it. You know what I mean? They've never had a savings account. They spend foolishly. They're out in the club. You know, the women probably, probably the scene probably grows a hundredfold for them, and they can't handle it. You know what I mean? And with alcohol and partying and that kind of money, bad things are bound to happen. Um, so, again, I think it's just putting yourself around the right people and uh, making sure you're doing the right thing every time you walk out your door.
2: Well, let me, let me go on this thing with you, Chris, because I get it like a lot of this from the show. Injuries, like say with basketball, I know you more familiar with basketball, uh, injury, and a team like, hey, you're an injury, but you playing. you're sacrificing yourself to play with this injury, right? But then, are you loyal to them to play with that injury, or are you saying, you know, I want to make my career go further?
3: It it, it all depends on how bad the injury is. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like Every every circumstance is a little bit different. And I just feel like if it's an injury that can't get any worse and you can play, then play. If it's an injury where if you go out there and play, your career could be over and you still have, you know, on paper four or five more years left to play, Mm -hmm. then you don't play. You make the smart decision. Um, yes, there's loyalty to your team, but ultimately, you can't jeopardize your career for one game or one quarter. It just can't be done. It, it, it should never be done.
2: Yeah, but you see where players don't play, and then they're saying that they didn't. You know, they they're not a team player because they didn't play. They should have played. Hurt, hurt. You know.
3: Oh well, it happens. I mean, didn't it happen just in the Super Bowl this this past year yeah, where yeah. the quarterback didn't play? Right. And, you know, you, you get conflicting stories is, you know, he wanted to play, but the doctor said no. Ultimately, what? again, you got a young quarterback. He's the face of the franchise. The owner pays him X amount of dollars. You know, yes, it's the Super Bowl, but at the same time, you know, you got a guy on a four-year contract. He goes out there, blows out his knee. Now the face of your franchise is gone. You still lost the game. And for what? Because you didn't want to make the right decision. Because you made a snap judgment. It just doesn't make any sense.
2: Well, that was um, the Bears called by Cutler, and they were mad at him because they're like, "If you played, we would have made it to the Super Bowl." But is that giving up on your team, or you saying, "Hey, you know"?
3: I mean, it it, it sounds like in the reports I read that you know Cutler's a pretty tough guy, and it sounds like he wanted to go out there and play, Mm. Uh, but the doctors told him no. And you know I, I I have respect for the man on many levels because you know he he took his team to that point you know so did he do the right thing you know I, I don't know hindsight's always twenty twenty you know but again if he goes out there and he plays hurt and he plays bad then the fans are mad at him for that you know if he just like he can go out there and put his team in position to win then he then he did the right thing
2: well let's say you coaching a young your your, your team you coaching. And you got a young man that might go on to college, you know, and, I mean, oh, wherever he can go on to, big, you know. Yeah. Would you push him if you need that game to win? Or, you know, say, we need this, or would you sit him out? Because as a coach, you want to win, right?
3: Well, as a coach, you want to win, but you don't want to win at the at, at the at the expense of, of one of your players' health. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, the, the game is not bigger than any one player's health, and you won't ever see that happen. So if I got a guy that's, you know, got a broken finger on his left hand and he's right hand, and he thinks he can go, mm. Yeah, we'll, we'll go with that because a finger is not going to jeopardize anybody's career. i got a guy with a blown-out ACL and won the state championship this the last quarter and he can make or break. He's not going to go. Right. Again, he's got four years of his career to look forward to, and he's got a lot more basketball to play. It, it, it just wasn't in the cards for us that game, and you know, as a coach, you have to recognize that.
2: Well, you said not one player bigger than the game. Is LeBron James bigger than the game,
3: Griffin? <laughs> no, not one player. Now, LeBron's pretty good, man, but, I mean, I think the struggle they face right now, Miami proves that not one player, not even two players is bigger than the game because Miami's taking their thumpings right now. Their latest thumping to the team LeBron
2: left. Uh, you know what? And I couldn't wait to ask you that. I wanted to get that in there. But what do you think of that situation, that team? You know, I always was told, you know, my dad, like, you know, too many Chiefs, not enough Indian. you know?
3: You know, I, I think LeBron's a great player. Physically, he's the most dominant player in the league, and he's going to have, you know, he's, he's a Hall of Famer. I just think, again, you talk about snap judgment. He just made a bad decision. You know what I mean? I think the idea of playing with his friends, um, intrigued him, you know, with, with, with Bosch and Wade and I just think he, he did it the wrong way, You know, honestly, I think he should stay in Cleveland, continue building that brand and, and win the championship the way, you know, Jordan did it and the way Magic did it, you know what I mean? Where, where, where they were the one guys on their team that, that you could really, really count on. They were the main guys and underneath that main guy was like you say, you know, uh, a, a bunch of guys that wanted to p- go to work, put their hard hats on it and get it done. Um, LeBron James resurrected Cleveland and, and, and one, you know, call or, or show, I mean, he, he, he knocked the whole thing down.
2: Do you think they ever win a championship with that team?
3: Oh, man. With Miami, I, <laughs> they might, it ain't going to be this year. I think they still have a lot of, uh, things to kind of figure out. And honestly, my my prediction is that Pat Riley will be the coach of the Miami Heat here, um, in, in, in the upcoming future. Um, who knows? They have a shot to do it. They're definitely talented enough. But, again, with what they did, they put a big target on their back, like they're the number one team in the country because mm-hmm. of how they did it. And now they're going to get everybody's best shot. And in the NBA, 82 games, taking everybody's best shot, you start losing to teams like Cleveland when that happens.
2: That's like what New York's going through now, right?
3: Yeah, I mean, New York, same thing. And I think that situation is a little bit different just because it was a mid-season trade. Uh, but on the flip side, I mean, Denver's really benefited from that. Yeah. You know, I would have thought it would have been just the opposite. So, you know, who knows? Maybe Melo, you know, is, is a, a cancer in his own way. But there's something definitely going on uh, with that team and organization right now that needs to be fixed. Because again, they're paying those guys a lot of money and they're losing way too many games.
2: You know, Chris, we'll take another break and then when we come back, I want you that give us the listeners out there one good story, Wyoming. We use our Wyoming something funny, and one good story out there in Hawaii. So I we'll be we'll be right be we'll be right back at this is Jay. Love you hosting, loving that sports talk. All right.
1: To the pros, we we cover everything. cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. We support. Oh. Sports Network. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. and the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're hooked up with loving that sports talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or drop an email to
2: talk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. This is James Loving back hosting Loving That Sports Talk, and I got my guest Chris McMillan online from Hawaii watching the waves. They still going big waves out there, Chris?
3: Uh, there's some small waves out here. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm down here in uh in Waikiki, so the big waves are actually out there on the North Shore, and those things hit 15, 20 feet, but you won't ever catch me dead in that water.
2: <laughs> well, you know, Chris, before we get to the good fun thing, you know, you know, with the young listeners out there, you know, and I know we talked about that earlier, and, you know, I'm glad you're on here, being a coach and great inspiration for the younger kids, go on there and tell them something that, you know, they want to, them to go with or... You know, just something that can...
3: Something that they, they can go away with and take yeah. with them in and, and life. In and life. Oh, man, <laughs> there's so much, man. Like I say, growing up with my, my dad and my aunts and, and the foundation I had, I would just say, you know, success is one of those things where you just got to keep going and, and you got to keep grinding. And, you know, just when you think you know you can't go any further is when you gotta find that, that 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 burst of energy or that passion just to go that much further. you know what I mean, just don't ever ever quit man it's uh again, it's a cliche you hear it all the time, but it's just so so true you know if there's something you wanna do, go out there and do it. you know what i mean the the people that are telling you that you can't do it, they don't know you know what i mean and 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 your will to succeed will will always always shine through you know. Uh, I would say that, and then another thing is just learning how to be comfortable in uncomfortable situations. You know, because there's going to be times where you have to have tough talks, and there's going to be times where, in a situation you don't want to be in. You know, learning yeah. how to be comfortable in that environment, in that realm, I think will uh... will help any young person out anything that they want to do. So just don't quit. learn how to always be comfortable, and you'll be fine.
2: I love to hear that, Chris. That makes you know everybody out there, you know, just to get them something, you know, and you know how it is, you've been there, and, and you know what it takes to make it. You, you know?
3: know what I mean? I'm living proof, man. Growing up, people told me I was too small to play Division One basketball, and when I got to college, you know, you're not going to play very much. I mean, I heard it all, and, you know, you just got to, you know, you got to have that will to just put your head down and just keep going and keep going, and you know, as a result, again, I was very, very blessed and fortunate, and I couldn't be happier with uh, how things ended out for me.
2: That's good. That's good. Now let's get to the front thing. I said, give us one good time in Wyoming when you were there.
3: One good time in Wyoming. Obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep this basketball related, but uh, you know, I would say winning our uh, our, our first uh, our first conference championship. You know, when I got to Wyoming in, in 1998. Um. You know, Coach McClain talked about winning championships, and he would always point to uh his championship ring that he had had when he was at um, Hutchinson College, junior college, that he won. Mm-hmm. And I can remember just sitting there thinking, you know what I mean, I, I want to have a ring just like that with the number one on it. You know, as-, as-, as a high school kid growing up, my dad had a big ring. It was his ring from when he went to Rutgers, and I used to wear that. And, again, it-, it was kind of the same thing. So I just remember thinking, you know, my dad has got one, McClain got one, I got to give me a big ring. To put on my ring finger and following my junior year actually clinching it when we actually won our first, uh, um, first conference championship which was probably the, the, the happiest feeling I felt in a long time. And then outside of that, you know, walking across that stage and getting my degree would be, uh, would be a close second. Um, having my parents sort of see that. And then, uh, one of the best times in Hawaii, in Hawaii actually, uh, it, it's sad, but it was also one of the best things to be a part of. Um, one of our uh our backup point guard, his dad had passed away suddenly. Mm-hmm. And this kid gives him Meyer Strawsky, you know, local kid. Um, was at practice the same day, you know, demeanor didn't really change much. Long story short, in that very next game, this kid hits the shot to tie the game mm-hmm. and then the shot to give us the lead. You know to ultimately win the game. So, and they were shots honestly that had no business going in. I don't know. I don't know how they went in, but they did. And you know to be a part of something special like that. You know with the magnitude of having his dad pass away just a few days before, and having this kid come out here and play his heart out. You know talking about it now even gives me goosebumps. So, those are definitely my two favorite moments. Again, in Wyoming, and then uh, my favorite Hawaii moment.
2: That's good. I love to hear those stories like that, Chris, like you say, you know always always good to have a kid that you know love to be out there and see, especially when a tragedy happened, you know,
3: yeah, I mean it was unbelievable, you know what I mean, you can feel the energy in the air, and there's seven eight thousand fans there screaming his name, and you know there's such a small basketball community, everybody knew what had happened, so when that shot goes in, you got coaches crying, you got people in the stands crying it it was unbelievable. Uh, moment to be a part of.
2: That's good. Well, you know what? Uh, I'm gonna let you tell all the listeners out there about Hawaii. Give us something out there about Hawaii. What's going on out there? <laughs> as far as the team is
3: concerned? The
2: team and then what you know what you're doing, you know, just you know uh,
3: well, well right now the team is uh they had off from, from spring break and okay. uh you know I actually oversee um all the strength and conditioning for for our men's team so oh, excuse me this week we're actually doing uh the end of season testing uh bench press squat vertical jump mile run agility test to kind of see where the guys uh where they're at now and then next week um the program's already been written we'll do a ten week program getting those guys ready um you know for the summer and 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 kind of gearing them up for uh, for next year. But that though, we're just staying busy and working hard, and you know we're enjoying this weather and making sure guys are getting to class. So we're doing pretty much what every other team in the country is doing, with the exception of those that are still playing.
2: You know, I'm glad you said that because you know that just sparked me. You know, and I hope I can get you on either next week or whenever you can. But I want you to talk to everybody about how important you know, like to tell you the strength, the conditioning. You know how important that is. You know because you know when I was playing. I didn't think it was important, Chris, at all. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought
3: yeah, I'm, assuming, uh, I'm assuming you didn't play very
2: much. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought I go out there, my talent. You know what I'm saying? And 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 now I, you know, I laugh about it. I don't laugh, but that's why I got injured when I played. So soon, you know.
3: You know what? It, it's real important, especially as as the game evolves. You know, what I mean, guys are. There, there's so many methods and methodologies behind how to train and what to train on what days and reps and sets and so many phases. I mean, if, if a guy is not lifting or not conditioning the right way, you're, you're just hurting yourself. It, it can't be done. Um, it, it, it's not – you may be able to get by it, you know, with the teams that aren't very good, but when you get to that elite competition and you start playing the best of the best, Those guys are preparing their mind and body every single day, and they're not taking days off, and they're grinders. You know what I mean? All they know how to do is work hard. So, very, very important, again, to prevent injury, to make sure that you're strong, and to give you the best chance to compete at the highest level. You gotta be in shape conditioning-wise. You gotta lift weights so you're stronger than than your opponent. It's just, it's kind of one of those things. It is what it is, and if you don't wanna do it, you're not gonna be very successful in this, uh, in this industry.
2: I I love that Chris. And that's why I say, you know, we'll you know, we'll talk later and then I can have you back on the show. Man, I love it, you know. But uh um, Sounds
3: good, James. I I appreciate you having me on, man. I look forward to talking to you guys again.
2: Well look forward and you just get on that wave and you know have one of those my ties with me. <laughs> Sounds
3: good, <laughs> man. We'll talk to you guys soon. All
2: right, thanks, Chris. All right. And this is James Loving and hosting another one, Loving That Sports Talk. Tune in next week and we'll be here.